Well, good morning, local church. How are we? Good. Well, great to, uh, great to have you this morning. My name is Chad. Uh, Brian is away. Brian is our pastor. If you're here for the very first time and you were expecting Brian, come back next week. Meet him, hear him. He's great. All right? Right? He's great. If you're, yes. How are you? Oh, hush now. All right. So, um, Man, it is. It's great when I get to uh, when I get to to speak, and just great to be with you. So, hey, uh, we've been in this series, in a teaching series in Second Timothy. All right. So, we we if you've been around for the past couple of weeks, you know that, and uh, we've kind of been digging in, just kind of verse by verse, looking at Second Timothy and seeing what all it has. But we've been doing that, kind of looking at it through a filter, right? And this filter uh, that we've been looking at it is, we've looked at it with these questions in mind. So let's look at these questions in mind, uh, and it's these. How can I trust Jesus more, and how can I lead others to trust Jesus more? And those two questions have kind of been key, and those two questions are built off of the fact that we, as Christ followers, his disciples... The intent for us is to follow what, what is Jesus had told us, to follow the great commandment, which is that we are to love God with all that we are. I mean, everything within us, that we're to love God and love our neighbors as ourselves. And then he moved into and say, with Jesus' last commission, this great commission, that we are to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to follow Jesus. And so we're looking at these two questions based on those two um, commands of Jesus, this great commandment and this great commission. And as we've been thinking through that, we've been led by Brian to pray, to pray a very specific prayer. That specific prayer is this, Lord, send me and send more. So you'll see, it's, we, we pray it at 10.02, but it's based off of Luke chapter 10, verses 2 and 3. So let's look at Luke chapter 10, verses 2 and 3, just as a backdrop of where we're headed this morning, all right? These were his instructions to them. This is Jesus saying, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Meaning that I mean, what God wants to do out there, throughout the world, there's so many people that need him, but the, and the harvest is so great, but the workers are so few. So what does Jesus say? So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. And then he says this, now go and remember that I'm sending you as lambs among wolves. Now here in just a few minutes at 10.02, some of your phones are going to ring. Um, it is going to be a reminder for us to pray. I've, been, I've had this reminder on my phone for years now. It's been one reminder for me to pray for the Lord of the harvest. It is a great reminder for me, one, for me to look at and say, all right, God, I want to love you more. I want to follow you more. <clears throat> I want to be the kind of disciple who is willing to make disciples. And so it's just been one of those reminders. And I pray that even after this series, that you just keep it on your phone and that you keep that as a matter of prayer, that we pray to God, who is the Lord of the harvest, for more of us who are willing to go out and make disciples. But in that, as, as Jesus was saying this, he said, hey, it's great that you're just going to pray, but I'm not just letting you pray. He says, now go. And he sends us out. He says, go. And so as we look at that, though, the next couple of verses or the next couple of words past that is like, you're going out as lamb among wolves. That's tough. I, that's, amen. But man, I'm like, okay, what does that really mean? Well, you know what's interesting is that's exactly where Timothy finds himself and in, in where we're going today. As Timothy finds himself, he is in Ephesus, as we know this. He's in Ephesus. He's the pastor of the church at Ephesus at this time. 
Paul is writing to Timothy, and he is encouraging Timothy. So in 1 Timothy, that first letter that Paul writes, he is telling Timothy about the bad doctrine of the church, what's going on in the church that just needs to be corrected, and there's individuals in the church that need to be corrected. And so he's dealing with these kind of things. And then in his second letter to Timothy, it kind of switches. It becomes more personal. It becomes something that uh, it, it, Paul really feels like he needs to lean in on Timothy and just challenge Timothy, to encourage Timothy. And so what Paul does in this second chapter, or this second letter to Timothy, he's charging him, he is reminding him, he is encouraging him. He's saying, Timothy, I want you to stay the course. I want you to, I want you to run this race and finish this race. I, I, don't, I don't need you to get distracted, Timothy, from what your task is. I don't, I don't need you to dilute anything. I need you to be here in the presence of these people and finishing what your assignment is. And so Paul's writing Timothy, just challenging him, encouraging him. He did not want Timothy to disqualify himself and move on. And so this is the nature of this letter to Timothy. And, and as he's writing this, we can just kind of put ourselves in that situation and look at this as Paul is writing to Timothy, and then Timothy is telling other people, as we looked at last week, he's encouraging them. And what is that? Well, what happens is, is those people who heard it from other witnesses then passed it on, and for 2,000 years, we see ourselves, and we are those individuals who it's been passed on to us. And so that reminder and what, what Paul was writing and charging Timothy with is so critical. So in our passage this morning, as we look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, we're going to be there. Paul continues to use some illustrations. Remember last week, we looked at a few illustrations Brian brought up that you, as he was charging Timothy, I want you to be a, a good soldier, one who is focused on the mission. I want you to be a disciplined athlete, someone who does not waver. You're going after it. Your, your endurance is there. And then I want you to be a hard-working farmer, someone who wakes up early, grinds, gets it done, perseveres. And so Paul continues to use these illustrations in these next few verses that we're going to look at this morning. And as he's using the illustration, um, what we're going to see as we unpack one of these three is that there's subpoints. There's these traits of, of these individual illustrations that Paul uses that we're going to pull out this morning out of the text and just look at. So as we seek to live out the Great Commission and this Great Commandment, as we seek to, to live that out individually, specifically, we're looking at it through the lens of how do we teach disciples? How do we teach and help move the Great Commission forward as Timothy did? All right, so that's kind of the lens that we're looking at. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Um, and we're going to start in verse 14. But I want you to remember this, and this is just so critical for us. It reminds you that Paul is writing a letter. This isn't a book. It's not some novel. This is, this is Paul's personal letter to Timothy. Paul is in prison. Paul is going through it. Death is in view for Paul. This is the last letter that Paul wrote. And so when we're looking at this, Paul's expression, his, the death in view, all of those things are coming up. He's not just challenging Timothy and he's saying, hey, I need to finish the race. This is for me. And so it's really neat to, to think of it through that lens. So just imagine Paul in a dark, damp prison cell in Rome writing and penning the, this letter to Timothy. Chapter 2, verse 14 says this. Remind everyone about these things, Timothy, and command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless, and they can ruin those who hear them. 
Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. This kind of talk spreads like cancer or gangrene, as in the case of Hymenaeus and Philetus. They have left the path of truth, claiming that the resurrection of the dead has already occurred. In this way, they have turned some people away from the faith. But God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone on a building with this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. So let's look at this. This first trait this, or this first kind of illustration that Paul uses is one of an unashamed worker. All right, so the unashamed worker. Let's look at three traits of this unashamed worker that we're just going to pull from Scripture here. In verse 14, Paul says this. There's a remind. Now, reminders are good, right? Some reminders are not. Some reminders are just, they, they bring up bad memories, like go take out the trash. Let me remind, take out the trash. How many of you heard that as a kid a thousand times because you didn't take out the trash, right? Some of those reminders are just like they're, they build anxiety in you already. You're like, oh, my goodness, I don't like those kind of reminders. And then some reminders are good, like, hey, let me remind you that I love you. you know, that's a good reminder. Let me, let me remind you that you're special. Hey, let me remind you to pick the kids up from school. That's a good reminder, all right? You can, you can, you can be with that. So there's reminders. Some reminders, man, they, they you know, kind of, oh, but then other reminders are really good. Paul has a good reminder. And so he's telling Timothy, he's saying, I want you to remind everyone, not just some of them, not just a few, not just the men that you were kind of passing these on to. I want you to remind everyone of these things. Now, these things that Paul is talking about could go all the way back up into, you know, the first and second parts or second parts of the letter, or it could go all the way into the first letter. I think it refers back to 11 through 13. And if you want to, you can look at it. I don't have it on the screen, but 11 through 13 says this, that if we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, listen to this, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. And Paul is like, I want you to remind everyone of these things. See, these things are foundational. Whether it goes back up and it talks about the resurrection or even the, the character of God as he explains it or some of the doctrine that he explains in 1 Timothy, let me just say that those are foundational. There's these things that are foundational and important, and then there's those things that they're talking about. Those things are secondary. Those things will ruin people. Those things don't bring life. There's these things that bring life. And Paul's talking about these things. He's saying, remind everyone of these things. And if you go down to that verse 13 and you look at it and he says, listen, if we're unfaithful, he remains faithful. Isn't it good that God's faithful when we're not? I mean, that's just good news. When we're not faithful to God, he is faithful. And why? Because he cannot deny who he is. And so Paul is saying, remind everyone of this. An unashamed worker is one who reminds people of the faithfulness of God. Hey, look to your neighbor, neighbor right now and just say, God is faithful. Just look, look at him and say, God is faithful. I, I know that. Listen, after what Brian had us do last week, that shouldn't be awkward at all, all right? Like, I mean, like, we're there, okay? So 
God is faithful. Wouldn't it be cool if that's just the nature of who we are as a spiritual family? So we're just looking at people and just reminding each other of who God is and how good he is and how faithful he is and what he's done in your life. Just to remind everyone of those things. So an unashamed worker reminds. An unashamed worker also explains. Look up in verse 15. In verse 15, it says this, work hard so that you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Now, what Paul is not saying here is that, Timothy, you need to work for your salvation. Timothy had already come to to faith in, in, in Jesus. By grace through faith, he had been established. He had been justified. He had been set apart for righteousness. So Paul is not saying, hey, you need to work towards salvation. What he's saying is, is Timothy, hey, continue to be more like Jesus. Continue to grow. Continue to set an example. So, Jesus, so God just looks back and says, man, I love what you're doing here, Timothy. Keep on. I approve of that. Go get him. And so he's just challenging. He says, be this good worker who does not need, and then he goes on to be this good worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains or handles the word of truth. Second trait is of an unashamed worker is you explain. You need to be someone who knows how to explain the word of truth. Now, when the word of truth is being used in scripture and these these instances, it's talking and referring back to the gospel. All right, so it's going back to the gospel. We'll kind of cover that in a second, but that's what it was. That was what Paul was reminding him of. And so, as Timothy is hearing this, he's going, "Okay, I need to explain this word of truth." Now, think of it. Reminder: Timothy had grown up in a home. His mother was a Jew. His father was a Greek. Both his mother and grandmother had encountered Paul on a missionary journey. Came to faith in Christ. That had been passed down to Timothy. Timothy then embraced Jesus. And what did Timothy know about Jesus? Timothy knew that Jesus was Messiah. Now he had probably, there we go, 10-2, all right, 10-2. Let's just pray. Let's pray right quick, all right? Let's, let's just pray right now. God, I want to pray right now that you, as the Lord of the harvest, would send out more workers. God, that you would just incite in our own hearts a desire to tell more people about you, to be more fervent in our witness, to love people well as we teach, as we seek to just make disciples. So God, may you send us and may you send more. In strong name of Jesus, amen. Amen. All right, I don't know where it was. Let's go back. Timothy. So Timothy, here he is. He'd grown up in this Jewish home, all right? So Timothy, growing up in a Jewish home, he had probably understood that there was this coming Messiah, And then all of a sudden, he meets this guy who knew the Messiah, and Paul, who'd met him, been transformed radically, and now he'd pass it down to Timothy, and he's like, Timothy, let me tell you about the Messiah. And so Timothy knew what Paul knew. Really, that was the extent. He had maybe read what Paul had written, or that was terrible, had written. Can we edit that? So so here's what Timothy, Timothy's looking at it and going, hey, man, I know very little. I I don't know a ton. But he knew about the Messiah. He knew that there was this Messiah, his name was Jesus, who came, who was born of a virgin, who lived a sinless life, who died a brutal death, who was buried and then rose to life according to the scriptures. He knew the gospel. He knew the word of truth. And what Paul is saying here is you have to explain it. Explain the word of truth. Let that word of truth 
go forward. Make sure that other people understand that. How do we as unashamed workers explain? Well, for some of us, it takes us really understanding Scripture. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Even Timothy didn't understand a lot. But he understood the gospel, the word of truth. And we are to explain it. Number next, the third trait of of an unashamed worker is we avoid. We avoid, all right? We, We have to avoid certain things. So look at it. Go back up into verse 16. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. This kind of talk spreads like cancer or gangrene. And in the case of these two guys, they left the path of truth, claiming that the resurrection of the dead has already occurred in this way. They have turned some people away from the faith. And so Paul is reminding Timothy here that there's conversations going on in the body. There's conversations, there's talk. And all of those talks are just, they're just endless cul-de-sac conversations. Don't get called, don't get called in a cul-de-sac of an endless conversation. Just don't go there. And so Paul is just reminding Timothy, he's mentioned these two guys, and he's like, hey, these two guys, they're, they're taking the resurrection, and they're saying it's already happened, meaning that Christ had already returned, and, and they're kind of warping the, the conversation. And all of a sudden, other people are following that, and he's like, don't go down that trail. That is a cul-de-sac conversation. Don't go there. And as Paul is just encouraging and challenging Timothy, he's like, you've got to avoid this. It, it, and what it does is it keeps us from, from being and going in the direction that God is intending us to be. But he also looks at it and says, but other people are going astray. They're turning away from the faith. They're, they're in ruin. And so our conversations are critical. Don't get caught in a circular conversation that goes nowhere. And, and I know that as we talk about that, as, as Timothy is dealing with this, according to his, you know, the, as he's getting this letter and he's trying to figure out, all right, what does this mean for me? He knows exactly. But for us, I think we can calculate that. What, what are useless conversations? What are foolish conversations that just leads to more godless behavior that you have? How do we apply that? And as, as you know, as Paul writes and to Timothy, and, and we see this in that next verse, it says, God's truth stands like a firm foundation stone with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his, and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. I mean, we are secure. You don't need to have conversations, and you need to avoid those conversations that lead just to worthless and foolish and godless, godliness, or godlessness. He's saying avoid that. So avoid those conversations. So for us, first characteristic here that Paul's pointing to is be an unashamed worker. An unashamed worker, someone who reminds everyone of God's faithfulness. Someone who can explain the word of truth, the gospel message. And the third is be someone who looks at and and identifies and avoids worthless conversations. All right? So that's an unashamed worker. He goes on. This next trait that we see is a useful vessel. So let's look at the useful vessel, okay? Here we go into verse 20, chapter, or chapter 2, verse 20. In a wealthy, in some translations would say a great home, a big home, a great home. In a wealthy or a great home, some, um, have, some of those homes have utensils that are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. 
the expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones, or dishonorable ones in some translations, are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. And just imagine, here's Paul writing to Timothy, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Timothy probably was in his 20s, maybe early 30s at this time. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. And he goes on, enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. So Paul is making this analogy, and it's one that applies to all of us, but it especially applied to Timothy. Timothy is the primary teacher, leader of the church in Ephesus at this time. He's, he's, he's taking it on. He's going, okay, I, I need this. Because Paul is just reminding Timothy, hey, you need to be above reproach. You need to be a teacher that is a model of Jesus in all that you say and do. Your words and your teaching, they can't be dirty or diluted. They need to be pure, Timothy. And so he's just challenging Timothy to be someone who can serve the body well. Aren't you glad we have a pastor that is above reproach and serves the body well? I mean, the, the same things that Paul is writing Timothy, Paul is writing to, to Brian Haas at local church in Dawsonville. I mean, those things that, that, that Timothy needed to be, Brian needs to be, and the things, things that Brian needs to be, guess what? You need to be. Because Paul is not pulling out and, and trying to, uh, you know, pull out a, a delineation between the usefulness of, of based on what they're made of. A, a gold cup and a clay cup, guess what they both do? You drink out of them. You, you can drink out of them. What Paul is saying is you need to look at the cleanliness. So when he's saying the cheap ones are for everyday use, those cheap ones that he's referring to, in, in, in this passage, he's saying, hey, there's some really nice ones you pull out at special occasions, which y'all are about to do at Thanksgiving and Christmas, because it's like China's going to be used eventually or finally. And, and then there's this cheap things like, no, the kids' table's getting the plastic kind of a thing. You know, so he's not saying that one's better than the other. What he's saying is that there's clean and they're dirty. And in this passage, the dirty ones or the unclean ones, the cheap ones, those were used for refuse or bedpans. There were the things that you would not want to be served with, right? Think about it. You go to a restaurant, I go to a restaurant, and I get a plate or a fork or a cup, and it's dirty or boogered up somehow, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, mm. what do you do? You send that thing back, right? You're not eating off of that. It's got something nasty on it, and you're like, there's no way. All of us have probably done that before. It's like, no. Well, guess what it's doing? You're not looking at it and saying, it's... You just throw it out. Like, no, go clean it. Because we're not talking about it's, it's you know, the, the matter of it. You're talking about the usefulness of it. It's not useful at that time. And so Paul, as he's writing this, he's saying, hey, listen, I want you to be useful. But I want you to be clean. That's how I'm going to use you. So that's Paul talking to Timothy. Let's look at a few of the traits here that we can see that come out of these verses. So look at verse 21. So verse 21 is if you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil used for honorable use. So one of the traits of a useful vessel is that you're pure. I think most of us, we want to be used by God. We, we would say as a disciple, as a follower, I want to be used by God. God, I want you to use me. I want to be a blessing to other people. 
I, I want you to, to do something in my life that is significant, that makes a difference, that makes a mark. We want to see others know Jesus. And, and that's, that's kind of a disposition that we have, that we hope all of us have. So I, I want to, as you think about it, what does it look like? So Paul's admonition to Timothy is, you need to be clean, Timothy. Now, for all of those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus, guess what? As I just mentioned with Timothy, we've been, we've been made clean. You are holy. You're set apart. You have been justified by, by Christ and what he has done on your behalf. And so you stand clean and pure in front of God. But guess what, man? As Timothy and it was, it was looking at you know, the, Paul, the letter of Paul and Paul saying, hey, I want you to be someone who is clean. I want you to be approved by God. It means that you are lining up and looking at it and saying, I want to be more like Jesus. So purity here is like, I want to be more like Jesus. If I'm more like Jesus, guess what? There's going to be people attracted to that. If I'm more like Jesus, this world is going to be a better place. And so this purity here is that we are looking at it and we're saying, I want to be pure. I want to be more like Jesus. And Paul is saying, don't let anything stand in the way of that. Don't let anything stand in the way of that. And then he goes on and he makes this like, okay, so how? How do I not let anything stay in the way of that? And so the second trait of, of, of this um, is that you need to be, a, of a useful vessel, is you need to be a track star. A track star. All right, that's not in scripture here, but let's look at it, okay? So I'm just, just going to go ahead and say, so look at it in verse 22. Verse 22 says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. So what Paul is saying here to Timothy is, hey, Timothy, you absolutely need to run from these things that would pull you back. Those youthful lusts that you may have got, you know, embraced, the things that you like, looked at, and man, that you, you, you got you excited as a youth, you need to run from. So it, what Paul is saying is, turn away from that and run this direction. That's what we look at and we talk about repentance. It's the same idea. Is this is not good for me. I'm going to turn and I'm going to run. And guess what? This is a sprint right here. This is a turn and a sprint. Tracks our sprint. Like full on, get out of there. Don't play around with it. It's going to drag you down. It's going to bring death and destruction in your life. Run from that, Timothy. But he says, pursue these things. And that pursuit, guess what that pursuit is, y'all? It's a marathon. It just is. As somebody that's been following Jesus for most of their life, and many like you, the Christian life is a marathon. You, you, there is this steady pace that you take toward these things that you, that you look at, like this, this idea that you're going to pursue righteous living and, and faithfulness and love and peace. You're pursuing those. You're, you're walking toward those. These things bring life. These things make you more like Jesus. So if you want to be pure, guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to be a track star. You're going to have to run from and pursue these things. Paul's encouragement to Timothy is he's just pushing him and, and challenging him. Is what are you running toward? Run toward these things. Set this, set this model. And I really believe that God will use a person who is pursuing Jesus and reflecting him. So for us, if we're going to be a useful vessel as a disciple and follower of Jesus, we need to be pure. 
And we need to be a track star. All right? The third illustration that, that Paul talks about is this idea of being a tactful servant. So a tactful servant. All right? So let's look at it in verse 23. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. So he's kind of reminding them again, coming back around, like there's conversations, ending cul-de-sacs. Don't do that. And then he goes on and he says, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with difficult people. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. All right. Let's keep on. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. All right? So a tactful servant. Let's look at the traits of a tactful servant here. Go back to verse 24 and we're going to pull all these from here. Verse 24 be kind. All right. For some of you, um, you, you just don't like people enough to be kind. <laughs> uh, no, like straight up. Like, I, I know who you are. I'm kind of, I'm, I, I'm close to that. All right. Just being honest and transparent. Like it, it's tough sometimes to be kind. It's just, you, but man, like kindness, it's just one of the fruits of the spirit that I just like, all right, God help me in this. You can ask my wife, she knows that I need help in this. And it's just like, I need to be kind. I don't know what kindness really looks like sometimes. But Paul's admonition here is to be kind. Kind. Paul isn't saying that you need to be weak. Paul isn't saying you need to be a pacifist. He's not pointing that out. What Paul is saying is that in God's economy, kindness is a deposit. Quarreling, disagreeing, fighting, meanness, guess what those are? Those are all withdrawals. Those just take. And so Paul is saying, be kind. Make deposits. Kindness gives us space to be able to explain the gospel. Kindness gives us the opportunity with those who may not want to have a conversation about the gospel. Kindness gives us the opportunity to serve and love people well. So be kind. It's the number one trait. Number two says a servant of the Lord must be able to teach. Uh-oh. All right, so let's just let's look at it. You have to be able to teach. Now, you may never stand on the stage and, and communicate and teach God's word. That may not be something for most of you. All right, and that doesn't mean that you are a wrong vessel. It's just that's not you. You're like, I never want to ever be up here and talk. That's one of the greatest fears. Some of you, you may not teach in a small group. That may not be your deal. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be able to teach. A disciple must be able to teach. Go back to the Great Commission. What does the Great Commission say? Go and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. So in a one-on-one relationship, you need to be able to teach God's word. Now, I can hear the mental arguments right now. All right, you're going, Chad, I just don't know enough of the Bible to be able to teach anybody anything. I just can't remember, you know, those things, and it's for somebody else that, you know, and uh, man, I I just can't do that. Can I challenge you 
just kind of get in your kitchen a little bit. What God has done in you and me and what scripture has said is significant and important for us, enough for us to be able to communicate that. All right, let me, let me just say it again. What God has done in you and me and what God has said in scripture is significant and important enough for you and I to be able to communicate that in a one-on-one personal conversation. So what does that mean? It means that you need to study. You need to learn. You need to grow. You need to listen. You need to watch. Some of you need to be discipled because that's how you're going to grow, how you're going to be able to communicate. And ultimately, you need to be ready, to be ready in season and out, to give a reason for the hope that is in you. So be able to be able to teach. And the last trait that we see is to be patient. Be patient with who? Difficult people. Anybody have any difficult people in your life? Yeah. Neighbor. Guy at the office. Classmate. Family member. Don't nudge anybody. I'm like, listen, Paul is challenging Timothy, be patient. Paul is saying, if you want to see God work in someone's life, be patient. Be patient with them. Pray. That's tough. For mom and moms and dads whose kids aren't walking with Jesus, who seem like they're difficult, and you want to win, it's tough. And Paul goes on and he says, hey, be gentle in your teaching. Be gentle as you're having these conversations because many of them, they don't want to hear what you're saying. And for those people that aren't gentle, guess what they do? They get aggressive and they want to win. And Paul's like, you've got to allow enough time and space for God to do his work because it is God's work. See, many of us, we just want to win an argument. We, we feel like that if we study and learn enough and grow enough, then we're going to be able to have the right answer and it's going to be relevant enough to change somebody's mind. And if we can get into an argument enough and we post something really cool on social media and say it in such a way that we're going to win somebody, guess what? You're not winning anybody with a bumper sticker or social media comment. And Paul's saying, man, you've got to be patient. Allow God to do his work. Our aim is to win the person, not the argument. So what does that look like for us? It means that we are to be a tactful servant. A tactful servant. One very clear desire or will out of Scripture that we see in Scripture is that God wants us to be conformed into the likeness of Jesus. It's a very, very clear 
position in Scripture. It's what God wants of us. And when we are more like Jesus, the world wins. When we're more like Jesus, there's going to be more kindness. There's going to be more grace. There's going to be more love. There's going to be more um, justice. There's going to be more um, truth. There's going to be more of that. When we're unashamed, when we're useful, when we're tactful, as we're encountering others and moving other people into a disciple-making relationship or a, a, a relationship with Jesus, there's something to be said of that. So what traits do you need to focus on in growing right now? What are those traits? Um, are there two, maybe eight of them? You know, like what traits do you need to focus on? I just want to say that we as a church, we want to help you do that. This church is not here so we can gather and do teaching on Sundays and that's it. This church is here for you as a follower of Jesus to grow as a follower of Jesus. So we can remind each other of God's faithfulness and who God is. And we can be unashamed as we teach that we would be useful in other people's lives. All of those things, that's what we want to help you grow in. And so just as you kind of think, like, all right, what are the traits for me? How can we help you? I mean, there are people in this body, of, in this spiritual family, as Brian has said, that are equipped to help you grow, to help you take that next step. There's going to be a few of us down front at the, end of the, at the end of the service that if you want to talk or pray to help you kind of in that next step, or you can take a picture of the QR code in the back of the seat. If you just want to connect with somebody, says, hey, I want to grow in this. I want to be a better disciple. One who is unashamed, one who is useful, and one who is tactful. And we want to help you do that. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, our desire is to be more like Jesus. God, for every person in here that has crossed a line of faith and embraced Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and leader of their life, that should be a deep desire within our own hearts. So God, I just pray that you would increase that that we would seek to be more like you in all that we say and do, that we would grow as a disciple. So God, I just pray as we just wrestle through just, God, what you're reminding of us right now, God, what your spirit may be saying to us, how do you work in our hearts? God, for those in here that may have not stepped across that line of faith and embraced Jesus, and what he's done for them. God, I pray that that decision would be very soon. God, I pray that if they want to make that decision, that they would find someone to talk someone, they would cross that line of faith to know what Jesus can do in their life and that they, too, can look 
and be mindful that God is faithful. So God continue to work in us as disciples, grow us. We pray this in Jesus' name.